they were descendants of Cain, living in the city Cain built, away from the presence of Jehovah. So Lamech deviated from the plan of Jehovah of one man, one wife. Lamech married two wives, and therefore Lamech was the first to engage in polygamy. And we can say that Lamech instituted or founded polygamy. So what can we conclude? Polygamy was established outside of the presence of Jehovah by men who had no regard for the things of Jehovah, who literally broke the protocol that Jehovah set at creation. Just because men did it, didn't make it right. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Although Jehovah rendered judgment on Mr. and Mrs. Adam for their actions of disobedience, they remained in the presence of Jehovah. However, after the murder of Abel, Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah, took his wife with him, and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain began to populate and built a city, which he named after his firstborn, Enoch. Cain's descendant, Lamech, broke the protocol of the one-man-one-wife example practiced by six generations established by Jehovah. Lamech married two wives and was the first to engage in polygamy. Today's study title is, The Adam Family Expands. So, Let's study. So we are we are talking about the Adam family expands. Now, last week we looked at a situation to where um, Cain had murdered his brother, and they had brought an offering. Cain's offering was rejected, but Abel's offering was looked upon with favor. And as a result of Abel's offering being looked upon with favor, Cain plotted against his brother and he murdered him. And so father um, dealt with Cain in the sense that he, he, he marked him and he banned him. And we're going to pick up from that point here tonight in verse number 16. Now, I do need to, I should have put that, but let's let's read verse 15, and then we'll move on with verse 16. And Jehovah said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, let's go back to verse 14. That's where I need to go. Behold, thou hast driven. Now, if, if you notice what Cain says, he says, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Now, when I when I look at this in verse 12, it says, When thou tillest the ground, it shall uh, not henceforth yield unto thee 
her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond, shalt thou be in the earth. What Cain heard is a little bit different than what Father said. Father um, told him that he would be a fugitive and a vagabond shall he be in the earth. And so a fugitive because of what he had done, a vagabond uh, because he would be wandering. Now, the thing that Cain interpreted in verse number 13 he says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. And the question is, is did Father do that? If, if he did, it certainly is not recorded. But what we have here is what Cain heard, what Cain perceived that was taking place. And then he says, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from thy face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth and it shall come to pass that every everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the question is, who is this everyone? Because obviously what Cain is communicating to the Almighty indicates that there are other, um, that there are other people because who could he be referring to that will kill him? And so in verse number um, 15 again, and Jehovah said unto him, therefore, whosoever. And so father responds to him in the sense, okay, I, I, I get your point, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mark you so that this will not happen. And we see that um, in verse number 15 again, therefore, whoever slayed Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And then in verse number 16 is where we're going to pick up. And Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah. And Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah. And dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the, the name of his son, Enoch. And, and here's where, well, let's just read the whole thing. And unto Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begot Mahujael, and Mahujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech, and Lamech took unto him two wives. And the name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Namah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. Follow him, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then 
begin men to call upon the name of Jehovah. And so as, as we look at this, we see that Cain went out from the presence. Cain went out from the presence. And I want to emphasize the fact that Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. This move by Cain sets the stage for future events that we're going to read about later. It should be later there. And it is very important that we remember this departure by Cain. Why? Because Cain is the one who went out from the presence of Jehovah. The question is, did Father send him out from his presence? We don't see that in Scripture. In fact, what this passage suggests is that everything from this point forward to the birth of Seth's son Enos is done by the descendants of Cain outside of the presence of Jehovah. Now, when you think about this, at the time Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah, Mr. and Mrs. Adam remained in the land outside of Eden. They remained in the place Jehovah had placed them when he exiled them from the garden. One could say that although Jehovah rendered judgment on Mr. and Mrs. Adam for their actions of disobedience, they remained in the presence of Jehovah. Now, this, this is something that you can easily overlook. Very easy because you just read it. Cain went out from the presence, and if he went out from the presence, that means he left his mother and his father. And if he went out from the presence, it also means he was in the presence. And if he was in the presence and he was with them and they was in the presence of Jehovah and he left and went out of the presence of Jehovah, did they remain in the presence of Jehovah? You say, well, you're making a big issue out of this, but it is a big issue because first father didn't drive Cain out from his presence. He judged Cain's actions. In fact, he put a mark on Cain so that Cain would not be put to death if he were found by people who obviously was in the presence of Jehovah. You see the simple language here? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you in a few more chapters why this is vital. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And that word Enoch, Enoch name is dedicated. Cain does something as he now um, bears this, this child. Cain married indicating that there was at least one female alive at the time. 
When Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah, Cain took his wife with him, whom he had not yet impregnated, and dwelt in the land of Nod, which is the land of wandering, on the east of Eden. So it tells us where he went, and on the east of Eden, he impregnated his wife, she bore forth a son, and so you can say Cain settled in a city that he built, and he called it Enoch. Out from the presence of Jehovah. So it would be if, if, if you all are in Eden on this side and Cain was amongst, or let me say this, you were outside of Eden and Cain was amongst you, Cain now leaves and goes east. But he's not alone, because here's the deal. Either Cain took a wife with him, or he found a wife when he got there. <laughs> you see. But he could not have found a wife over there if all the people were over here. Now, we already know that Genesis is not in chronological order. We've talked about this. And so we're going to see some things in the next chapter that is already taking place in this chapter, chapter 4, but chapter 4 don't reveal it in chapter 4. We have to piece together some things in chapter 5. Who was Cain's wife? What was her name? Who was her parents? <laughs> Possibly his sister, but we don't know. But here's what we do know, that Mr. and Mrs. Adam had other sons and daughters. All we know is the name of Cain, Abel, and Seth. We don't know the name of Cain, of Adam. Of Mr. and Mrs. Adams' other sons and other daughters. But the Bible says he had other sons and he had other daughters, or they had other daughters. We know the name of Cain, we know the name of Abel, we know the name of Seth, but we don't know the name of any of the daughters or any of the other sons. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Adam had these other children. We don't know how old they were, how old Mr. and Mrs. Adam was when they had all their children. We don't know the sequence in which they had them, the order. But here's what we know. Before Seth was born, or at least it appears before Seth was born, that Cain had been driven out. So we can say that if nothing else, there was at least one woman born at the time because Cain married her. If there were more, we don't know. But we know there was one. We do know that Cain and Abel was born to Mr. and Mrs. Adam. We know that Adam 
was 130 years old when Seth was born, and that Adam lived to be 930 years old before he died. And we'll see this in the next chapter. Here's the question. If we believe the Bible to be the inspired word of Jehovah, and what he wants us to know is revealed in his word, we must conclude that there are things he has chosen not to tell us, and therefore we must resist the temptation to find this information elsewhere. Because this is where a lot of the issues and confusion and theories and ideas and thoughts have been injected into sermons, injected into the psyche of men, and have caused men to go look for things that is obviously not in the book, which makes it difficult for it to be re reconciled by the book. There are various non-inspired writings that proposes theories or suggest answers that cannot be verified in Scripture. And if, if you look, you will find them. Matter of fact, I refuse to, to inject some of it, but I've been in places. Matter of fact, you know, I've, I've heard sermons where they're, they're quoting from the writings of writings we, we know. Now, those of you who have gone through the discipleship course, you know that there are the inspired canon uh, and um, the 1611, uh, before the Apocrypha books were removed, were included in the 1611. We don't know the individuals who canonized, but we know that there were books that were canonized that were later deemed to not necessarily uh, be a part of what we have in the new King James, because if the 1611 is the King, the original King James, then the King James version of the Bible is the new King James, and the new King James version is the new, new King James. Are you following this? So we are aware of the Apocrypha, but there is another set of books called the Pseudobigrapha. We talked briefly in the discipleship, and this is a set of writings that are varied. I mean, there are so many of them out there, and they have information that have led people into certain ideology and um, faith positions that support some of the theories that we find somewhat troubling. And so people reading those books, thinking that they have found revelation to answer questions that are not necessarily answered in this book, find themselves bringing the extra biblical material into their teachings and sermons and present them as revelation or God showed me. 
And this is where people begin to get into a little trouble and things begin to now be added. Outside of the presence of Jehovah, Cain began to populate and begat Enoch. Cain settles and builds a city which he names after his firstborn, Enoch. We do not know how many years Cain lived or how long any of his siblings or children lived, for the Bible does not tell us. And I keep reemphasizing, the Bible don't tell us this. The Bible don't tell us. So if the Bible don't tell us, where is the information coming from that is not found in the Bible that has been preached as revelation? Because from these places, we find ourselves in conversations and arguments that we cannot support from the scripture. Verse 18. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. So we see the genealogy of Cain. We see his, his descendants. Cain begat Enoch. Enoch begat Arad. Arad begat Mahujael. Mahujael begat Methusael. Methusael begat Lamech. And Lamech in the land of Enoch, and get this, because I'm going to keep emphasizing this, away from the presence of of Jehovah, away from the presence of Jehovah, he went out from the presence of Jehovah. He left Mrs. and Ms. Mr. and Mrs. Adam, obviously from the language, still in the presence of Jehovah. He goes out of the presence of of Jehovah, and he begins to populate the earth. And now he has had these children who had children, who had children, who had children, and one of them is named Lamech. Now, Lamech breaks protocol of one man, one wife example, practiced by six generations. And this protocol was established by Jehovah, beginning with Mr. and Mrs. Adam, and practiced by Adam, by Cain, by Enoch, by Erod, by Mahujael, and Methusael. So you've got six generations of one man, one wife. And now, and, and, and these, Cain, outside of the presence, even Cain, who had been driven out of the presence of, of Jehovah, has one wife. His son has one wife. His son has one wife. His son. And now you come to Lamech. And at this point in human history, we have the lineage of Cain living in a city he built away from the presence of Jehovah. So if he's built a city away from the presence of Jehovah, how do you think he's living? Does he live in fear of Jehovah? Does he live considering the things of Jehovah? Is there any reverence, relationship, 
concern, fear, anything. Nothing. He's a fugitive, a vagabond. And his descendants now are taking on the image and likeness, the nature of Cain. Lamech says, hey, I'm going to have me two wives. Verse 19, and Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other Zillah. We don't know who children these was. But we know this. They were descendants of Cain. Living in the city Cain built, away from the presence of Jehovah. So Lamech deviated from the plan of Jehovah of one man, one wife. Lamech married two wives, and therefore Lamech was the first to engage in polygamy. And we can say that Lamech instituted or founded polygamy. So what can we conclude? Polygamy was established outside of the presence of Jehovah by men who had no regard for the things of Jehovah, who literally broke the protocol that Jehovah set at creation. Just because men did it didn't make it right. Because the fact of the matter is, is that from the very fall of man, Jehovah now is responding to the behavior of man that is established. So he either wipes them out or make rules and regulations for them to conduct themselves in the midst of their ungodliness. So Lamech, just like Abraham was the father of faith, we can say Lamech was the father of polygamy, the father of multiple wives. And there are those, there are those in the Messianic, in the Hebrew roots, it's like the reason why we, we, we deal with these kinds of things is to show the origin. The origin of a thing will generally allow us to see the spirit behind it. The spirit behind polygamy was individuals who have already decided they're going to live out of the presence of Jehovah. They don't want him telling them what to do. And this is going to be driven home here in another few verses. Lamech was not a godly man. Nor were any of the descendants of Cain. For the Bible says that men began to call on the name of the Lord after Seth's son Enos was born. So none of these individuals called on the name of Jehovah. None of these individuals inquired of Jehovah. None of these individuals' decisions, actions, behavior was based on understanding what he desired of them. So what you have, and, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right now. What you have is the sons and daughters of men. Are you seeing this? Let me take it a little further. Adar bad Jabal. He was the father of such as dwelled in tents and of such as have cattle. This is where you would find nomads. 
Nomadic people dwelt in, in tents and had cattle. Now, why would he be dwelling in tents if, if, if Cain has built a city? So what is he doing? He's living outside the city. <laughs> living in tents. You get this. Musicians and entertainers. Now, this is very important, brothers. And his brother's name was Jamal. Jabal. Jamal. Jabal. He was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ. So what do you have? You have musical instruments, musicians and entertainers who are operating outside of the presence of Jehovah. That's the first musician, the first developer of musical instruments. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. There is nothing more established in the earth than music. Music has taken such a role in the life of man to where to live without music is somewhat unfathomable for people. Got to have that music. But the origin of music and musical instruments came outside of the presence of Jehovah. And people wanna people wanna use certain scriptures like Miriam. Miriam, Miriam was singing, but but where did she get her tambourine? <laughs> I'll tell you where she got it from. Egypt. They had music in Egypt. Were they living holy in Egypt? They brought the songs out. They were excited about deliverance, had a song about deliverance, but no, soon after the song about deliverance, the very same instruments and voices is now worshiping a golden calf, saying, this is the one who brought us out of Egypt. <laughs> Yeah, we got instruments in the Bible. We got music in the Bible. There's no question it's not, it's there. But what was the origin of it? There are, I was thinking today because people want to run to David. You know, singing psalms is, David wrote songs that we call psalms at a time in David's life when he and his relationship with the Almighty was at a place to where now these songs of worship, songs of deliverance, songs of praise, songs that were crying out, when song by David came from David's heart. See, they, they came from the heart of David in a place David was at when David sung them. So what anointed the songs was David's heart and position with the Almighty at the time they were written. For me to try to take David's songs and sing them, am I anointed to sing the songs that David was anointed to write? You see this. David was anointed 
I'm just copying David. I can take what David wrote and sing, and I can say, these are coming from my heart. But the only thing that can come from my heart to the Almighty is the stuff that comes from my heart to the Almighty, not stuff that David wrote. Because now it's coming from David. It's not coming from me. And this is why it's, I encourage people, receive songs from heaven. Why are you trying to take something somebody else wrote and sing it? Because now what you're doing is displaying a talent. You're displaying a gift. There are people who are gifted. Just because you're gifted to do something don't mean the anointing is on it. Just because you have a talent and the ability to do something don't mean it's anointed. Why? Because the anointing destroys yokes. The anointing destroys yokes. I've been in places where people are singing and it's nothing about God and the music is good. You know some of them oldies and goodies you still sneak around and listen, listen to, go back down the memory lane. Driving down the street, driving in, in your car, nobody else is in there, and you find one of them song, one of them stations that play them oldie but goodies, the one that used to give you goosebumps when you was in the ro- in the world. You had some talented people, gifted, talented people who can take an instrument and make it do things that cause your body to respond to it. Was that anointed? How can something worldly? be anointed, but it was certainly gifted. And you'll find a person, they have a concert and that thing sell out. As a matter of fact, a 20 city tour and every every stop is sold out. And they ain't singing about God. They're not singing about anything anointed, but you go in there and 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 here's the thing, brothers and sisters, just pay attention. I'm I'm looking at some of these. Uh, it's like, why are the people going like this? You watch these music shows, and folks are just, you know, this is worship. And then I'm seeing certain people who consider themselves to be worship leaders. It's like, what are you doing that to another man for? Because you're so gifted, you're talent, I just got to pay homage to you. It's like, really? So you do this to the man and then turn around and do the same thing to Jehovah. So what are you doing? You're giving Jehovah the same thing you give man, or you're giving man the same thing you give Jehovah. Something's wrong with this, folks. But people don't see it because they're so wrapped up in music and the need for music in order to connect them to Jehovah is like, really? If, if you need music to connect you to Jehovah, something's missing. Something's missing, brothers and sisters. Something has inserted itself between you and the Almighty. And this is what religion has done. Religion has inserted itself and convinced people that I need music in order to worship. Jabal was the father 
of them who handle the harp and the organ. The first musicians or makers of musical instruments were the descendants of Cain who walked not in the presence of Jehovah. These were individuals who sought after other Elohims, idol worshipers. And I can tell you, they weren't worshiping Jehovah in Egypt. But they came out of Egypt with mus musical instruments. <laughs> and they were, they were worshiping in the wilderness. They were just worshiping the wrong thing. Metal workers, verse 22. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. And let me just let me just go back over over the time in history, and we can certainly find some of it in the Bible. There were times when there were individuals whose heart was right before Jehovah. And see, this is the important thing, brothers and sisters, that if if we're going to use music, if we're going to sing songs, we want to make sure that our heart is right before Jehovah. That individual's heart is right. That what is what is coming from from the from them from the, from them from their heart is a pure heart, not tainted, not somebody who's trying to move people, not somebody who's trying to build a ministry of music, trying to become famous. It's like you know what, worship him. Just if, if you are a worship leader, just worship him, you see. Because if you're sincere about what it is that you do, you'll notice that when, when, when David sang in the presence of Saul, them demons stopped tormenting Saul. But you also got to remember the same David who wrote music that, that caused demons to stop tormenting Saul at times in his life, was tormented himself. Why? Because he wasn't in the right place with the Almighty. Lamech follows in the footsteps of Cain by killing a man. Cain was the first murderer, and Lamech was the second. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. So Lamech is claiming self-defense and declaring that if Cain's punishment included protection for sevenfold from those who would try to avenge the young man whom he had slain, then his protection should be seventy and seven. And here's what he said, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Now, Jehovah declared Cain's mark. So Lamech didn't have a mark. He's self-proclaiming. <laughs> you see. So he knows about what happened to to Cain, but it was the Almighty that declared this over Cain. Who's declaring it on Lamech? 
And when he declared this, Cain was still in the presence of Jehovah. Now, none of them are in his presence. They're in another city east of Eden, and he's making declarations over himself after he's killed a man. And here's where we could see now the distinction based on these words. Mrs. Adams proclaimed that Jehovah had appointed her another seed to compensate for Abel, whom Cain slew. She says, and Adam, the Bible says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. And, and Seth means compensation. And here's what she says, for Elohim said she had appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. In other words, Cain, my wicked son, slew Abel, who was favored in the Almighty's sight. And now Jehovah has replaced Abel. Now, here's the thing. He could have replaced Cain too. See? Because Cain was gone. And when we get to Genesis chapter 5, we're going to see that it seems like according to the genealogy, if we start in chapter 5 of Genesis, we would conclude that they only had one son ever and then other sons and daughters, starting with Seth. Because Cain nor Abel is mentioned in Genesis chapter 5. And so what is he saying? Father has compensated me. He has replaced. Now, here's what Jehovah said that Abel was declared righteous in Hebrews chapter 11, by verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto Elohim a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Elohim testifying of his gifts and by it being dead yet speaketh. And so what did he say? He said to Cain, he says, where's your brother? He says, how would I know? I'm not my brother's keeper. He says, his blood is crying out. His blood is crying out. Your, your cable, uh, Abel had already found favor in the presence of Jehovah. He and, he and Jehovah was like this, if you would. They were, they were connected. To the point to where Abel got, uh, Cain got jealous. He's envious of, of, of Abel's, of Jehovah's response to Abel to the point to where you didn't respond to me like you respond to him. And so Jehovah declared him righteous. If Seth was a compensation for Abel and Abel was declared righteous by Jehovah, it is safe to conclude that Seth was righteous also since he compensated for Abel according to what Ms. Mrs. Adams said. 
And 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 here's the thing, and to Seth to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then begin men to call upon the name of Jehovah. So if men starts calling on the name of Jehovah after Seth's son Enos is born, whose name was they calling on before? Whose name was Cain and his descendants calling on? It certainly wasn't the name of Jehovah because they had gone out of the presence of Jehovah, built a city outside of Jehovah's presence. While Mr. and Mrs. Adam is still in the presence of Jehovah, and now he gives another child that compensates or replaces Abel, and now they start over again. And what happens? Through the birth of Abel and his son Enos, men begin to call upon the name of Jehovah. So the name of Jehovah is being called upon by this third son of Mr. and Mrs. Adam. Now, what you don't see here is Seth's wife, but you know that there is a woman involved because there's a son. And because the Bible doesn't tell us their ages or how old Adam was or Mrs. Adam we, we even find when Adam died, but we don't know when Mrs. Adam died. The Bible doesn't follow, it, it doesn't seem to follow the women, but from time to time, because we looked in Cain's lineage and there were women mentioned, the wives of Cain's sons, But the wives of, of, of Mr. and Mrs. Adam or the, the daughters of Mr. and Mrs. Adam's children are not necessarily mentioned. So we can, we can conclude that now we have Adam and his expanded family. We have the Adam family and we have the expanded Adam family. We have the family of Adam that lives in the presence of Jehovah. They were never driven out from the presence or left the presence of Jehovah according to the statements that we've read. And then we have the expanded family of Cain who goes out from the presence of Jehovah, builds a city. And so now you have two groups of people those who are in the presence of Jehovah and those who are outside of the presence of Jehovah. You see how this can begin to set up the sons of God and the daughters of men? You see how this can set this up? Of course, we're going to see <laughs> if, if, if we stay Within Scripture, there are things that people try to bring into Scripture that just doesn't fit. But if they could bring in this other material, then now they could try to force something to fit 
in places where it doesn't necessarily fit. And so this is why I keep emphasizing in the presence, outside the presence, and you're going to see how it flows as we get into the genealogy of Adam, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, in chapter number five. And this brings us to the conclusion of chapter number four. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.